Welcome to the LEAP podcast. LEAP stands for Leadership Education for Asian Pacifics. Happy Pride Month. We are so honored today to close out our first inaugural season of the LEAP podcast. We have invited not one, but two special guests. Stacia Kato Takiyesu, a woman in power, and her life partner, Eric Takiyesu. Eric is also on the board of directors for LEAP. Both will share about their leadership journey, but also their pride in leadership. Tammy, Bui, and I are very fortunate to call Eric our mentor and a coach who has encouraged both of us to be our authentic and passionate self at work and in the community. Tammy, maybe you can share um, how you met Eric, because you've known Eric longer than I have. Yeah, you know, I don't even remember the exact uh, like w- moment, but I will say, um, ju- I will share a story that I think ties together kind of why why I feel so honored to be talking to both Eric and Stacia. So Tammy Tran knows that I recently moved to the Bay Area. So when I was in the midst of my move, Tammy was the one who said, okay, Tammy, you just have to take this leap of faith. You, w- I believe in you, you can do it. And I said, you know, I would tell her like, you're crazy. I don't want to do this. And she would say, talk to, talk to other people. And ask them like what, like what, how they went through it, what changed, how they went through different transitions um, during careers. And then I immediately thought of Eric and Stacia and I reached out to them. And in the midst of the pandemic, I remember, and you both were in the middle of a move. Um, But I remembered that you both also volunteered at LEAP um, with the students and to help them, whether it was with their resumes or to talk about career. And I always um, remember that. And I thought, why not? These are both individuals who have committed their lives to being able to help others. And so there are people that I thankfully can call on. And so I called Eric and I talked to Eric and Stacia. Um, And then here I am up in the Bay Area. But I share that story to say, I feel very fortunate that we have people like that. And Tammy, I think you and I did this podcast because we thought, why share this with just the two of us? Why not let others be able to hear from people like Eric and Stacia? And so that's not how I met, but I want to share that story because I think it embodies what Leap is about, but also the kind of the heart that both of you have too. So um, maybe we have Stacia introduce um, Eric first and then and then Eric, you, you introduce Stacia. We sound great, according to you all. And, you know, I am actually challenged as well in in sharing who my husband is, Eric Takayesu, because it is a hard thing to stick. What is his title now? (laughs) So I also regard him as he's achieved being vice president, and that's wonderful. Uh, We often talk about, you know, it's because he's got everything settled at home. (laughs) So, and um, I mean, I'm super proud of him. Um, We've been together, uh, married for 10 years now. And uh, when you're referring to that information about helping the LEAP uh, students, that actually was born out of the financial crisis in 2008. When we were still dating, we realized that there's something we can do to help folks. And I met Eric as a, when I was a recruiter. And so uh, he went ahead and took a course in resume writing. And I uh, did the interview portion. And together we held a workshop at the church we were married at. And then that just morphed into helping students. So we've just been, we've been at this for years together. So I didn't know that. I, I mean, I knew that you guys are a dynamic duel doing resume workshops and helping organizations, not just LEAP, but also another organization, API Mobilize, just last year during this um, pandemic. I didn't realize that was part of your courtship. I, I got to tell you, this was a lot of fun. And I really appreciate you know being on this podcast with you all. You know, it, it's funny how you feel like, you know, you built me up. But in reality, I feel like I've learned so much from all of you. And so... Yeah, I, I can go on and on. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that some more. But you know, first of all, Stacia is you know as as she said, uh, was it ten years, right? Married, married. Mm-hmm. Um, Five years dating. We're living a while. It's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, not to repeat anything she's already said, but you know, we were talking last night about you know <laughs> introducing each other, and we actually had a really good conversation uh, with our daughter yesterday as well. You know, I see Astasia as like a trailblazer and she is bold and I've learned so much out of her just 
moving things forward. And uh, I would say uh, not being afraid to represent herself and what she believes in. And I've learned so much out of that alone. And it's inspiring to me uh, as far as, you know, being married to someone like that, that I feel like I could, you know, not only be the best that I can be just in my professional life, but the, but really at home is probably where I'm learning the most. Talking to you at, 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 um, at Southern California Edison and exactly what you just said about Stacia. I, f- I, I can, and, and Stacia, I think I've only interacted with you in person, maybe a handful of times, right? We've talked and things like that, but I feel your presence in Eric's leadership in the workplace. And, um, and I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's true, but I I've met you and I, I know your energy and, you know, Eric is even keel, you know, and I'm, I'm sure we can describe him with other words like that, but he's so Zen at work. And I feel like when the energy comes out, I could see you in him. So I, I, I don't know, Eric, can you talk a little bit more about that? Cause I love, um, you know, this is about women in power, um, you know, our, our, our season. And so I'd love to hear more about how if you can share with us a little bit more about how um, your partner has influenced you and shows up in your leadership in the workplace. You know, first I'll say that we we live very, you know, our lives really together, but we also live very independently. And so while I have my career here at Edison, you know, she is very involved, not just with her career capital group, but with all the nonprofit activities that she's doing here also. And, uh, you know, since COVID had, you know, since dealing with that, we actually see each other less uh, than we have before all that happened. I mean, I'm sitting downstairs working and she's upstairs and we might have a chance to interface and in a meal maybe or two. Lunch, maybe at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even with all of that separation, as far as like how we have to work um, there, one of the things I've always admired is how she's able to, you know, a couple things from a business sense, she's really able to see the big picture and put things together and talk about things in a way that I think is that people can understand as well as rally around. Um, so one of her, if you look at um, like strength finders, you know, her strength is, is woo. You know, she is really good at, well, wooing people, wooing me. <laughs> and getting me to do things that normally I wouldn't want to do. Um, so I've learned a lot from, from that perspective. But I would say, you know, on the nonprofit side, um, so, and we'll talk about this some more, but I've been on a, quite a learning curve uh, when it comes to uh, not just issues around uh, AAPIs, but also around LGBTQ. And uh, because of what we have been going through over the last few years, um, you know, we've both been learning, but learning is one thing, but I think uh, being a representative and a strong advocate for not just our family, but for the community. That's where I feel like I've been a bit of a follower and a learner uh, with her leadership. And so when I am at work, I feel a little emboldened to be able to uh, speak, you know, more proudly and freely and, and also represent in turn. So I would say, yes, her voice does kind of, you know, sitting on my shoulder there. She's standing right here and she's like whispering in my ear at times and, and kind of helping me steer in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, you have said that before. That I'm, you can hear me, my voice yeah. in your head. <laughs> so now we have to ask uh, Stacia: Do you ever hear Eric in your head, or does it only does all your knowledge and fierceness only go in one direction? Oh, they're good at interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I've I've never necessarily felt like um, he's in my ear. Um, I, mm, I, that's a challenging one. You, you've, uh, you've often said that about me. Like you yes. heard me in your head. Um, yeah, not, not necessarily in the point about the nonprofit work. I think because there's so much, um, passion and value alignment. I just do, 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 I do what I think is right. And, and that's where Eric is talking about where, um, he's actually following my lead particularly in the intersection of API and LGBTQ and, and transgender rights, right? 
Um, certainly I hear him in my head when it comes to what we need to do around the house and, and how I might want to represent myself at work, you know, but I, I've got it on the, I call it, there's my nine to five and then there's mm. my five to nine mm. and in my five to nine space. That's all, you know, I just got to go and, and do uh, everything that I, as long as I have the energy and the drive to do it. Hmm. Maybe would you both talk a little bit about that drive and passion for um, what you what you were just talking about? And particularly because it is Pride Month, um, mm-hmm. I would love to hear what are you passionate about right now, Stacia? Or maybe not right now. Maybe it's something you've always had a passion for. Uh, what What is that? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, so Eric had alluded to my advocacy and it really is um, something of a journey. So what what the listeners need to understand is that our daughter is transgender, a transgender female. And that is something coming out and revealing that to us is after having suffered quite a lot of anxiety, depression and suicidality. So you see our gray hair. <laughs> we have earned every strand of all this silverness on our heads and in our beard here. And um so because our daughter um, came out after, you know, this, this, I would say two solid years of suicidality and, and, and really working and dealing with that, you, we could not do anything but accept and learn to affirm. And the reality in our world today is if you're going to be accepting and affirming of your transgender daughter of color and knowing the dangers out there right now for them and and their rights being taken away, being sought out and actively murdered in parts of this country and the world. Well, then you need to, if you if you can become an advocate. And I was so fortunate to be connected with some people that were already on the journey ahead of me. So I absolutely stand on their shoulders and they they got me connected to the right nonprofits to get the right leadership training and and education. And that's what it all is. It's all about educating to eradicate that fear. Because when people don't understand and they don't know, they sit in fear and and they are angry and they're very hurtful. But man, if, you know, they just understood that when they open their eyes and learn to love and are just kinder, the whole world opens up to so much more love and and beauty and i i am the blessed one we are the blessed ones for having a transgender daughter who's thriving and alive with us now so if you can hear it that's where all the you know the passion and the energy comes from this mama bear's got to work hard to make this world a safer place for my daughter and others like her that's amazing, Stacia. I feel, um, you know, honored to um, to have known about your story and for you to share it with our um, on our podcast. I mean, I, I feel like these are issues that we even d- despite the pandemic and all the different things that we share about and, you know, what you shared about being downstairs, upstairs and seeing each other less. I feel like there's there's more of a space now for us to be out there, right, to 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 share these things, to not only accept others, but to affirm. And I feel like that's such a an important concept of diversity and inclusion. Eric, can you share a little bit about, you know, how that um, resonates with you, the, the, the idea of not only accepting, but affirming? Yeah, so this all, I mean, I almost have to go back to where, you know, Stacy and I started. Uh, when we first got married, so we're a blended family. And so I have two children and and, and she has Alex. And uh, we, um, uh, we had a lot to learn in that process as far as uh, how to support each other and how to support our children uh, in a way that is healthiest for the family. And, you know, as you can imagine, uh, that's a learning process for both of us uh, being in a blended family. And when uh, this um, sort of event happened in our lives, uh, one of the things that I think we pretty much immediately did is respect each other's space and understand our roles in terms of, you know, where we're at. Um, that we really didn't know that our daughter was uh, transgender in the beginning. Uh, there was, uh, it was really more of why is she depressed? 
Mm. And so, you know, so as a parent, you know, we address those things a certain way. We go traditional routes. And, and as things started to unfold, uh, one of the things that I realized is, you know, I need to make sure my role here is to provide as much stability to the family as I can, but also enable her to do what she needs to do because there were extraordinary hours that that were required. Uh, almost um, having, uh, it's almost like having somebody that needs constant attention all the time. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I mean, that actually gets back to the point when the psychiatrist told me, you cannot leave them alone and you need to remove all sharp objects from your house. Wow. And there were days that I was on the floor with her because she couldn't go to school. So it's so real. It is so real when you care for someone who is suffering mental illness. And, and you know, folks are talking about that a lot these days. Right. And so as, as a, um, in my role, you know, the way I grew up um, and, and I'm sure a lot of, you know, Asian parents can can sort of, you know, relate to this. It, it really is about, uh, you know, having a structured thing that you do and you have expectations and uh, there's uh, ways that you kind of feel like you were you grew up. And so your children should grow up the same way that really had to be undone in a way because uh, there was there things were really unpredictable and uh, there was uh, you know in this process as she was going through with you know this this constant attention and me really also not really understanding what was going on as we started to learn about this and she really I would say leaped in and leaned into education, understanding, um, and then brought me along uh, to be sure that I was able to go on the journey with her. Um, but again, we're, you know, she also recognized that I had a lot of obligations and a lot of things that were pulling at my time. So somehow I think we figured out a way to work through this and, uh, you know, I'm really happy to say today that, you know, I have uh, probably the best relationship, you know, with our daughter than I've ever had before. Mm -hmm. uh, the trust is probably better than it's ever been. Now I feel like I'm ready. You know, I can be an example to other you know, parents who are challenged and going through similar things um, because, you know, one, but it's still a learning process for me. There's still a lot that I have to learn and understand mm -hmm. and it's a growing process. Mm -hmm. So having a, a trailblazer and I call, you know, Stacey kind of the trailblazer, having that here, it, it, that's really where I think we work together well. She blazes the trail. I, I provide what I can here. We provide each other the space. We support each other, you know, the way we need to. And, and it just seems to work. It, it reminds me that um, Eric will often say, this is my favorite time of the day. And that's when we're kind of settling into bed and we're just talking through things, because I think that's where I transfer that knowledge. You know, mm -hmm. he needs an executive summary. So I'll go <laughs> and support groups and conferences and education sessions. I'll give him the gist. And well, he's a learner, so he he gets it and and he absorbs it and applies it. <laughs> so that, that's the best. And, and we brought up about trust, and this actually we talked about it yesterday. Mm -hmm. There was a particular conversation that was had where uh, Alex had shared, "I really don't trust you all." That that's really what it is, mm -hmm. and it affected Eric so much that he realized something different needed to be done. Because that's a big deal. It's like, as Asian parents, we do everything we can to provide. All we expect is a little respect, right? And and to not be trusted, oh, that's foundational. That's core. And so I'm so thankful that he's um, open to change. You know, we we could not do things the same way as, be, as we imagined it should be, you know, um, Times are changing. Um, my daughter came out and and thankfully she did because then we need to learn. No one's perfect at being a parent. There's no manual written for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more we can learn and grow and adapt, 
the happier we found ourselves being. <laughs> it's a lot calmer in our household. It used to be chaos. <laughs> well, I think the really neat thing too is the the our other children. You know, there's a spectrum, right, of, of people, uh, uh, even in our own family, of understanding and accepting. But I, I would say it's you know positive emotion on, on all fronts, and uh, yeah, at least to the point where we feel like we're still. A, a cohesive family in this journey. Mm-hmm. There was so much there. First, I have to say, even though Stacey, you give uh, Eric the executive summary, I, it sounds to me like he doesn't forget you are the executive. You are the executive <laughs> trailblazer. So, <laughs> so just want to remind you that that is that is the case. Okay. Yes, and Stacia is the woman in power. Eric may work for the utility, but it's uh, Stacey. That's the woman in power. Okay. Yeah, this, uh, I don't hear his voice, but I. just needed to remind everyone and then the other thing i was going to say is you know oftentimes um when families are going through difficult challenges, whether it's health or mental health, these are all these that's health. You know, often we don't acknowledge the um, we can see the physical pain. Right. But the mental health that you are talking about is something that is so real, particularly in our Asian Pacific under communities because of shame, because we grew up not talking about it, because, um, you know, we want to uh, make others proud because that's what our parents tell us to do. So for me, so I think one, just that acknowledgement is something that people need to hear. It's a little bit of why Tammy and I did this, because we want people to know that our stories are can be complex, that Asian Pacific Islanders um, embody many parts to who we are um, and we can we can be ourselves and not have to change who that is and I think you're both an example of how you talked about being a blended couple right uh, but also not sacrificing the core of who you are even even if that journey has changed over time so I wanted to ask what from that journey do you feel like that taught you about yourself and whoever wants to go first can go first. But I, I want to know if there's one thing you talked about trust. You talked about how you have uh, a beautiful relationship now with your daughter in ways that you didn't have before. Uh, but I want to hear, is there something and maybe you can tie it to leadership if that helps and, and what that's taught to you about leading. Um, but yeah. what have you what have you learned? So uh, something that resonates with me that I think I'm applying more in my leadership philosophy is values alignment. You know, you you have to know what your own personal values are, you need to be transparent and authentic about it. And if you're leading an organization, then it needs to permeate and be applied and visible in its operational model and structures. Uh, that sounds a little complex, but um, so I'm board chair of a national nonprofit uh, that uses art to transform trauma. It's called a window between worlds. And that organization itself went through a lot of leadership turnover, change and trauma. And we are thankfully on the right track again after now I'm in my fourth year serving with them. And I I really believe that it was understanding the organization's values, aligning them with the new board members and the staff I'm the leader of the staff now, the executive director, and then making sure it all percolates through the organization. And same holds true in our family. You know, uh, we need to know what our values are as a family, respect that, and keep on living it and acting on it. Um, I am also the vice president of a PFLAG chapter. PFLAG is one of the largest Uh, national chapter-based support organizations for LGBTQ and allies. And the one I am vice president of is specifically tailored for API. So it's the PFLAG San Gabriel Valley API chapter. And there too, um, actually the pandemic and quarantine has been a blessing in this case, because not only were we always doing our work locally in the Southern California area, but we've really further deepened our connection with other API chapters in, say, New York, another another leader in Denver, uh, more Asian leaders in San Diego, popu- where there's populations, larger populations of Asians. And what did we do? We did a couple things like translating family acceptance um, materials into eight Asian languages. We um, we 
worked on curriculum to train up already affirming Asian parents to help them be armed and equipped to be more national advocates so that they can share their stories and speak out you know, louder. And also we're now working on a national uh, support group so that we're not just reaching uh, Asian families on the coasts who need our help, but also uh, LGBTQ uh, Asian um, individuals and family members across the nation, especially in those pockets of areas where there isn't as much API support. So um, we're hopefully going to come up with a monthly call in the next, hopefully by the end of this year. So the pandemic um, has allowed us to virtually connect, connect on the common values that we had and then action them. It's been really powerful. So I, I actually see the pandemic, you know, with a little bit of a silver lining. I, I, you know, I, I totally agree with you. There's, there's these silver linings in the pandemic that has brought people together. And I love what you said about values alignment and, you know, Tammy, Eric and I, we, you know, we know at Southern California Edison, we have our set of values and we often hear from our leaders about, you know, how are we living our values? Um, a lot of, um, you know, um, what's tied to our performance is not just what we do, but how we do it. Um, Eric, can you talk a little bit more about that and, you know, about how that shows up? your leadership at, in the workplace? Yeah, so the values alignment, um, as you're kind of talking about that, uh, you know, when we think about what we do professionally, um, leadership is about how do you make decisions based on your values? And I, I think where that shows up the most is when, uh, if you're in a workplace or even at home, when you're in crisis. Uh, what is the values that you have to stand on uh, in order to make sure that you're prioritizing, you're spending your time in the right places? And, and the only thing that's going to guide you there is, is your values. But it's also about communication and listening, um, because I think we sometimes have uh, some assumptions about the outcomes that we want to see, um, how we think we should get there. Uh, you know, it, people that have been around a while, they think they have the right answer sometimes. But when I, um, this is a really, and I would say probably the ultimate humbling experience in terms of family crisis, because, you know, I, you know, like any other parent, I mean, I, I had preconceived notions about what, um, what maybe what was, what was even going on. Uh, but when, when I really listened to what Stacy was saying, when I really observed what was happening with Alex and listened to the words, I mean, that conversation that you mentioned about the trust, um, that was a crisis moment, I think, in the family, because not only was, um, you know, our daughter going through something just really significant that is life-threatening, but as a family, the foundations by which, you know, our values are built on, we thought, you know, that we're, we're at risk here. So in the workplace, I, I think, um, you know, there's no difference between the way we should be at home versus the way we should be at work. Um, there is no work life and home life. Really, they're all integrated. And to really be your authentic self as a leader, um, that, you know, how we are in one place really should just be the same. Um, so, you know, what I try to do at work is maybe also practice that we are, you know, as all companies, we're always going to have times in crisis, but it's about listening and understanding what are, what our employees are going through and how are they feeling? And this whole conversation about the pandemic, um, that was also, you know, an, a time when, uh, leadership really needs to listen to how everything is impacting our employees. How does that guide our decisions? And I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, we came out of it the way we did is because, you know, I, I can't say enough about how uh, thoughtful it was really centered on the employees' needs and trying to meet that. And, you know, it's, it's walking the walk with their values, not just saying what we think we have to do and what we think is the right thing to do, but actually going through it, delivering it, adjusting it based on what people say. So, yeah, I think um, uh, from a leadership perspective, there's a lot to learn at work, but I think it actually starts off with how we are at home. Yeah, um, 
what Eric was saying about, you know, that authenticity and just everything relating to home and work. I, I can't take credit for this, but I was listening to a leader at AT&T, Ann Chow. She said, you only have one life. And she didn't mean it in terms of FOMO. You got to get everything in before you die. It's not like that. It is you are one person with all of that background and complexity and interests, everything. And that's how you need to show up everywhere you are. Because you're that one person, that one life, all wrapped up into one. And so, I mean, when you ask us to talk about ourselves and and you say these wonderful things, we don't really think of that. We're just doing us, you know, what we each, each individually need to do because we're living our one life. Showing up to work um, and being, you know, being who you are. I remember, Eric, you share with me about how you came out to our leaders. Um, and, and that's that's a concept. I, I For me, it was foreign, to be honest. Right. I mean, you think about the individual coming out, but there's also this coming out um, with the family. Um, Eric, can you share that story about how you came out um, at work or to specifically to your leaders? Because you're you're a leader, but you're also, you know, have leaders that you know, you're seeking, um, you know, that that sense of trust from as well. So. So, you, you know how I mentioned that what we do at work starts at home? Uh, this actually goes back to a conversation that we had on the dinner table uh, with the three of us uh, when we had an opportunity to talk about um, a little bit after some of the real challenging moments that we had. And uh, this was a leadership conversation that the she and I, our daughter and I had. And um, it was about what uh, what I can do as a leader at work. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, really interesting, I would say, and, and I still remember it crystal clear in my brain because uh, in the, in the conversation um, I really was proud. It was a proud moment for me to see my child call me out. We talk about it at work all the time that we want our employees to speak out, right? When something isn't right, uh, we want people to say and call it out. Our leader needs to do something more or do something different. So she went and said, okay, you have a title at your job. You have a responsibility, <laughs> a responsibility in your job, yeah. right? I remember this was, this was a hard conversation. It was yeah. so real. Yeah. And she said that, um, can't you be out there more to represent us? So if I ever have to work at your company, I don't have to worry about what it's going to be like. Well, that was my past, right? That was, okay, you called me out and you're absolutely right. And it wasn't like, no, you're wrong or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm like, you know what? That is totally true. Yeah. So from that point forward, it's, you know, there is no shame in uh, what you uh, feel is the right thing to do. And so when I talk about it and, you know, I was really, really happy to, you know, raise the pride flag, uh, you know, for June and, uh, you know, and talk about uh, what it means to me. Um, there's, uh, but I, I do think, you know, when I go back to how I was raised and the way my parents were, I mean, they, they, this was more about, you know, present yourself a certain way, uh, regardless of what's happening at home. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's, you know, a level of shame when it comes to some challenges we have inside the home, as opposed to not sharing it to people outside the home. So a lot of that, I think, traditional sort of thinking, um, you know, like I mentioned, values need to guide it's about, okay, that's, I recognize that that is how my mold was set, but now is an opportunity for me to listen to what she said. What is that? That does align with my values. Thank you very much for calling that out. And, uh, and from that point forward, it was, yeah, it's, 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 we're good to go. 
Well, and, I, and I'll say this as somebody who is listening to both of you talk about employees or uh, values alignment and these words that sound like you're talking about work. I can't help but say that that sounds a lot like how you listen to Alex, how you listen to each other. Right. So when you're talking about how you need to hear each other or respectfully call each other out, I really don't see that line that you're you know, that's why you're talking about integration um, and that one life that we have. Right. I think um, I think when you were talking about our values earlier uh, about uh, how you're taught a certain way to kind of present uh, and maybe you present a certain way at nine to five and then you are another way uh, after hours. I don't feel like at this point in our in our in our lives, in our history, I think the pandemic uh, has forced us and has allowed everyone to see on our Zooms, uh, on our screens, whether it's dogs in our lap or like the chaos that is ensuing behind us. Right. Um, I think it's it's a kind of a and we talk about this, you know, we hear about this reckoning, right, this uh, awakening that we have to see what is going on, not just a physical pandemic, but the social issues issues that have always been there, right? So while there may have been a rise in API hate recently, issues of systemic racism are things that have affected our community and other communities of color for a long time. So I wanted to hear about, um, given that we have a long journey to go and that you've climbed this mountain and there are other mountains you likely will climb, um, what are things that keep you uh, faithful, keep you uh, motivated to keep climbing um, every day? Um, what, what are those things for each of you? Well, for me, um, I, I still have energy and capacity for my five to nine. But I do recognize that it is all about um, secession and leadership development. You know, uh, what I do now, I am mindful to memorialize process so that the next person who's taking it on from me can do it even better, you know? And so um, that, that informs all of my work at, at work and uh, in in my five to nine with a number of nonprofits I work with. Yeah, because in the intersection of API and LGBTQ, it's it's still a small population, right? It's like doubly marginalized population. And yet we keep finding people who need our help. And so helping them along and then also um, converting them into fellow leaders as well has been my passion and, and mission at the moment to keep it all going because you're right. There's, we have really um, opened our eyes to all that's gone on. And it really is a matter of none of us will rise until we're all able to rise. So, so supporting other groups as well. I know Eric's doing that a ton at work as well. Yeah, for me, and that's where I was going to start is, you know, we talked a little bit about the, you know, uh, how we were growing up and, and how we feel, you know, how we we're connected to the API community. Um, what we uh, what I learned through, you know, this process and the LGBTQ community. But I also recognize that, you know, there's a lot going on right now in our society that is challenging a lot of us, right? And so there's a lot of work that's left to be done. Um, we want, uh, you know, when you say we all need to rise together, um, it's one thing I've learned in this process is not just in intersections uh, of, of groups, but also challenges of individual groups that we all share the same issues and, and commonalities around how safe we feel, how we're, how we feel we're treated, how we're perceived. Um, and I, I think that the more that I could help other groups, uh, the more I think we represent ourselves in our communities in a more kind of holistic way that People can help each other out and partner with each other. Um, to me, that's the. I, I think that that is the long game. It, it's the uh, kind of the pursuit that you know we have all these little efforts and things that we want to get done. Um, but I don't know. I feel like this this could you know take me until the rest of my hair turns gray. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that does bring up another point, though, that, you know, you both have children and um, you asked about, like, where do we have the energy? Mama bears have energy. Like, don't I know that the feeling like I, I could even start to feel it already. If anyone were to threaten my child, I will get mama bear on them. Oh, adrenaline starts to flow and and I, I feel like I can get to physical fisticuffs with someone if, if they threaten my child. And and but the thing is, I know better that that it is through policy change and and voice and leadership that we will actually make systemic change. So I can actually this is an interesting season. Um I was first on the Capital Group panel, um, Parenting with Pride. And so I really made a point about the intersectionality as well. Um, then I was invited to be on a panel with Toyota, and it is Asian parents of LGBTQ was a theme. And I've also been invited to be on AEG's panel, uh, similar, you know, trans rights and advocacy. And in that one in particular, I'm pulling in uh, people with lived experience. So an Asian trans woman and an Asian trans man to speak because, you know, they really need to hear directly from the community. That's amazing how Alex really just shows up in, in your advocacy and your leadership. And now you're, 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 you're speaking to all these groups of people and really making that impact. It's not just the impact on one family, but it's now something that, that is positively impacting other people. I mean, I, I, I can't say enough about how I've seen it show up in Eric at work and how proud I am to, to, to be able to, to work under Eric's leadership at the company and, 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 you know, and it's not something that, you know, I mean, I work in a utility and you don't, you know, today in 2021, we get to talk about these things, right? And we get to accept these things in the workplace. And Eric, you talk about the long game. And I feel that that's, that's so important. It's not about where you sit and, you know, where you, what you currently do or what your function is. Um, that long game is so important and to really be focused on that. And it ties back to what you said earlier, Stacia, about values alignment. And I think if people come to work and they, they are, they are able to be their whole person and be able to find value alignment, not only um, what they do, but in how they show up. I feel like you get, you, you get happy employees and happy employees are so important. And Tammy and I were just talking about last night about how, how we just love Eric, because I, I think this is probably one of my first conversations and, and Tammy and I had separate conversations with Eric, but as a leader, he asked us, are you happy? And we were just talking about how many people actually ask us that and really want to hear an answer to that question. So I want to ask that both of you, um, are you happy? Um, you know, uh, I know it's a very simple question. It can go in many different places, but I love the fact that Eric had asked us a diff in different ways. Um, you know, are you happy? And, and really wanted to hear that answer. I, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, there, there, life has its challenges and everything, but we, we were both divorced in the past. So we, we know what different relationships can be like. And I think we were very intentional about entering into our relationship and being able to support one another. And I absolutely know that in 15 years, we have grown individually and together. So we're, we're much more impactful and, and stronger for the sum of us than each of us individually. Yeah, I would say too that, um, you know, happiness can be measured in a lot of different ways. Um, for me, one of it is, are we able to grow and develop aligned with not just our values, but our passions? You know, are, are we spending the time doing the things that, and we, you know, are we looking forward to the, what's next and what's next and what's next? Um, you know, I've been with that, uh, with the company for a long time, but I, you know, I feel like, uh, it's not like I'm running out of gas or steam any day soon. Uh, I feel like there's just a lot more that's left to do, uh, not just, you know, doing uh, what needs to be done for our communities, but for our employees, our, the communities at large, um, a lot of the things that we talked about, there's just so much to do. And I think as long as we have that sort of forward looking view on everything, it's pretty hard to say that, you know, it, it helps, I think, build the capacity to handle challenges and crises as they come in. Um, and to me, that that is a lot about happiness. It's not about what title we have or how much we make and things like that. It's are we doing the things 
that we want to wake up to and do every day. I want to address, too, what you brought up about um, being able to talk about these things at work. You know, he's in a utility company. I'm in a financial services company. Some people, in a, when they hear about these conversations being had at work, might say, what does this have to do with work? You know, and the response is it has everything to do with work because we're all people. These are the things that matter in our lives. And, you know, we, we simply talk about being able to bring our whole selves to work. But it's because of being able to share these conversations and learnings so that we grow, we can create more acceptance and stability in our lives. And it will impact productivity and happiness. You know, you, when you have happy people at work, they, they go the extra mile. So it all matters. It's good business. Absolutely. So, so Terry and I are, are fortunate when we were, when I was at Edison, you know, we would get to go to lunch, you know, as part of our, like if we, we finished a meeting somewhere, maybe we'll have lunch and then we'll debrief and we'll talk about things. And I remember a lunch with Eric where he asked, he said, well, are you, are you happy at work? What are you, that, that was a story that I remember I said, no manager had asked me just so simply, are you happy with what you're doing and what the, you know, and, and, and your role? Uh, so it was such a simple question, but it, it came up because Tim and I were talking about how, uh, and this is related, uh, Stacia, to your th- point about one life, right? That I, I literally told Tammy, I said, I am so happy right now because I finally realized that I don't have to choose, mm-hmm. right? That every moment of my day, I better be moving in the direction that I want to go in. Why? Where uh, Where else should I go? I'm only going where I want to be. Yeah, and, and, um, and Eric, we want to close on what you talked about earlier about this, this um, foundational trust, right? And 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 how um, Alex, you know, how that moment was really pivotal for you. So let's let's end on a positive note. Has trust now manifested itself um, in your relationship right now with with Alex and and the work that you're doing? One thing for sure is Alex is not walking in pride parades or showing up on on you know podcasts or videos about this topic. She trusts that I'm going to represent, you know, it's not her work to do. It's mama bear's work. And, and so we talk about it. Sometimes she wants to check what I'm going to say. <laughs> but last night she kind of was listening to us talking about this and she's like, you go. <laughs> you know, she's really, really proud that we were going to, you know, talk and, and um, represent accurately and well for the community because it really does take um, allies Mm-hmm. And, and we need to be entrusted with this hard work. And, and I would say uh, I look at it from two ways uh, when it comes to Alex in terms of trust. Uh, you know, one is uh, Alex is not, you know, there's still a journey there around, uh, you know, the transition's a long process, um, but it's also about independence because uh, at the age now where, uh, you know, adulthood is here. And so, you know, one of the things that um, would be challenging for even a blended family is, you know, how do you guide um, a teenager in, in making certain decisions or saying, ah, no, don't do that, do this, you know, kind of thing. Uh, I So an indication that trust has been growing is even though, Alex may disagree with what I'm asking to be done. She understands why and and graciously says, okay, I get it. It's for my best benefit. And knowing that my intention is really honorable and it's really uh, to, to help grow her as an individual. On the flip side, I would say that I use Alex's input as a guide as far as how far I should go. You know, because uh, when I talked about raising a pride flag and saying a few words, you know, she was like, so what'd you say about me? And uh, so I explained, I said, this is exactly what I said. And I could just tell that I got that kind of affirmation of, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, so I'm learning, I'm still learning. And I think that um, it's always a journey. It's a journey. But I think that that is really what trust is about is 
Yes, uh, really good intentions. We always will have little disagreements here and there, but we know we trust each other enough that it is the right thing to do and call me out when it's not. And we can, you know, help guide each other in, in this process. Thank you for tuning in to our first season of the LEAP podcast, Leadership Education for Asian Pacifics. I have to acknowledge the woman behind the women <laughs> in our LEAP podcast, and that is Kat Fan. Kat Fan is our producer and editor of the LEAP podcast, and she's the one that makes everything not look, but sound great. I am so happy that we've gotten this chance to talk to folks, really share the community. We hope you enjoyed the inaugural season as much as we did. This was a labor of love for all involved. Uh, we want to take this moment to thank and acknowledge our LEAP annual contributors, Target, AT&T, Capital One, Lowe's, Mascal Corporation, Royal Caribbean Group, Toyota, UPS, and USAA. It is with their support that we're able to do things like the LEAP podcast and to be able to provide our high-touch, high-impact leadership programs for Asians and Pacific Islanders and enabling us to uncap talent that we know we have in our communities and moving us closer to our vision of diverse leaders shaping communities for the benefit of all. We want to take a moment to thank and acknowledge our LEAP annual contributors. Target. AT&T, Capital One, Lowe's, Masco Corporation, Royal Caribbean Group, Toyota, UPS, and USAA. It is with their support that we're able to do things like the Leap Podcast to be able to provide our high-touch, high-impact leadership programs for Asians and Pacific Islanders and enabling us to uncap the talent that we know we have in our communities and moving us closer to our vision of diverse leaders shaping communities for the benefit of all. One more time, thank you so much, LEAP Annual Contributors. And I also want to take the special moment to thank our listeners, guests, and the amazing staff of LEAP for taking this leap of faith with us for the last couple of months. And while you're waiting for season two, sign up for the 2021 LEAP Leadership Awards celebration happening Thursday, July 22nd, 2021 from 11 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. For more information and to stay connected, go to leap.org. We'll see you in the fall for our second season.